I'm Brett McGarry. This week on the Couch Potatoes, I've got a bone to pick with Stephen King. Plus, I'm Jeff Braun. I saw a very small movie and a very big movie this week. I'll review Eighth Grade and The Meg. Plus, who I'm looking forward to the Meg review. Plus, we'll tell you what's coming to home video this week. First, it's the news from the couch. You do this often? Dynamic people off the street and enter get them. You're my first one, actually. How am I doing? Shoot me. I dropped this and we all die. Amazon has released the final trailer for the highly anticipated first season of Tom Clancy's Jack Ryan. The titular character is being played by John Krasinski. What exactly does a State Department supply chain logistician do? They work behind the desk. They write reports. That sounds... Warren? Dr. Ryan! I need you to come with me. What? We have to go. The series is described as a reinvention with a modern sensibility of the famous Tom Clancy hero who has been portrayed in five movies, The Hunt for Red October, Patriot Games, Clear and Present Danger, The Sum of All Fears, and Jack Ryan, Shadow Recruit, played respectively by Alec Baldwin, Harrison Ford, twice, Ben Affleck, and Chris Pine. Now, it's Jim from The Office, or The Quiet Dad from A Quiet Place. What have you got? The individual behind these transactions could be a high-level target. His name is Suleiman. How come you're the only one that knows about this mystery man? I was just following the money, sir. They have cells in France, Yemen, Syria, and those are just the ones we know about. There's something different about his agenda. I'd like to set up a task force. Whatever he's planning, he's ready now. I can't go to Yemen. I'm an analyst. I don't interrogate people. I write reports. Get on the plane. Krasinski's Ryan is an up-and-coming CIA analyst thrust into the field for the first time as he discovers a pattern in terrorist communication, a new breed of terrorism that threatens destruction on a global scale. It's an eight-episode season co-starring Wendell Pierce from The Wire. We gotta figure out a way to get inside his head. Musa bin Sleiman is my husband. He don't know where I am. My son is with him. Is he planning something here? The show has already been greenlit for a second season, which will see Jack Ryan take on the declining democracy problems in South America. Season one of Jack Ryan will be released on August 31st on Amazon Prime Video. Just follow along, watch, and learn. We have to chase this down. My son. Get him back. Promise me. I promise you, I'm the best chance you have. I'm just a man. I do what I can. Don't put the blame on me. Sylvester Stallone is thinking about going another round with one of his iconic characters. Glad you could drop in. F*** you. I prefer blinds. Use no fat milk. Thanks, but I'm lactose intolerant. Who the f*** are you? Tiger Woods. Are you f***ing 
insane. You don't just kill a guy like that. I just did. Who sent you? <laughs> Your hairdresser. He thinks he's Rambo. <laughs> Rambo is a one of those lines may have been from a Rambo movie, and we may soon have a new Rambo movie of which to pluck out lines. Earlier this week, Stallone released a photo of Rambo on his Instagram account with a caption that said, A savage rising dot 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 soon. Two years ago, he said his mind wanted to do another one, but admitted his body wasn't so sure. He's 72 years old, by the way. Of all his peers, though, I think he is the one. I would most buy doing this. Seagal is far too puffy for anything physical. I don't think Schwarzenegger has the drive for it. I guess Van Damme could still do it, but he's 15 years younger than Stallone. Anyways, it would be the fifth Rambo movie in the series, a series with an irritatingly random titling scheme. The first there was a movie called First Blood, followed by Rambo First Blood Part 2, then Rambo 3, then just Rambo, and then whatever this would be called, Savage Rising, I suppose. We'll have to wait and see. Of course, we will see Stallone back on the big screen this November in Creed 2. You let me go and I'll pretend this never happened. You don't and I'll burn this f***ing place to the ground on my way out. Don't f*** with me. I just go like, yeah, 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 sugar. <laughs> you know what I mean? I hold you in contempt. I hold this hearing in contempt. I hold my lotto in contempt and all my stuff in contempt. Bring it on. Oh, is this the part where I'm supposed to be scared? Congratulations. You're fired! It's good to be home. Bang. Down. Owned. I feel like a Kentucky Fried Idiot. 007 reporting for duty. Where the hell have you been? Enjoying death. James Bond will never die, of course. He'll just keep being rebooted. It's been three years since the last time we saw 007. This organization... Do you know what it's called? Its name is... Spectre. There was not a lot of enthusiasm for 2015's Spectre, nor Craig Bond's, or Craig's second Bond movie, Quantum of Solace, but his first one, Daniel Craig that is, Casino Royale and his third one, Skyfall, were all pretty terrific. He'll go down as one of the better Bonds, I think. And he's still got one more in him, next year's 25th installment in the franchise. After that, though, nobody knows. The hot rumor this week, though, was that actor Idris Elba was about to be asked to be Bond. You smart, man. I could see that. I wanted you to choose somewhere safe for us to speak, but only bugs and this gonna have legs. This, of course, came with controversy because most people suck. Elba is black, and that set a lot of people off. You know what else he is? English, like James Bond. Unlike some of the actors who've played the part, Sean Connery was Scottish, George Lazenby's Australian, Pierce Brosnan's Irish, Idris Elba, born and raised in London. Although he's got good access to a good American accent when he needs it, most notably for three seasons as Stringer Bell in The Wire. It seemed like I can't say nothing to change your minds. Well, get on with it, motherfucker. One actual thing maybe working against Elba is his age. He is already 45. He'd be at least 48 before the cameras started rolling on a new movie. And they tend to want these guys for four or five flicks, which is over a decade. Who knows? All rumor at this point. Meantime, the as-yet-untitled Bond 25 is due to come out in 2019. Hi, I'm hunting. But of course you are. Plenty are too. Named after your father, perhaps? Without saying goodbye. I used to say I lived my life a quarter mile at a time. 
And I think that's why we were brothers. Because you did too. That's the ending of Furious 7 and was the last time we saw or heard from actor Paul Walker, who died in a car crash in 2013. In the Fast and Furious universe, his character simply retired. He wasn't in the eighth one, although he was mentioned. But that wasn't Dom. Brian would know what to do. No. We can't bring Brian and Mia into this. We agreed on that. And then Vin Diesel's character inexplicably named his baby after Walker's character, Brian. Even though to all the characters involved, Brian was still alive, so that didn't make much sense. You want to meet them? All right. Everyone, meet Brian. It was dumb, but it made us all cry. Back to Seven for a moment. Walker died while they were still making the movie, so they had to employ a number of computer and camera tricks to finish the movie without him. One of those tricks involved having his brothers play him, either transposing Walker's face onto their heads or just having long shots where you wouldn't be able to tell it wasn't actually Paul Walker. They all look similar and I guess sort of move the same. Now, Walker's brothers, Caleb and Cody, gross, say they want to do it again, which strikes me as more than a little macabre and kind of tasteless. How would that even work? Aside from being about the only character with hair, Paul Walker's presence isn't required in the movies at this point, certainly not to the point where they'd have to CGI up new faces for him in every scene. It's fine that he's retired, just let it be. To their credit, the producers have not responded to what I assume is a weird cash grab by the Walker brothers. The next installment in the franchise is next year's spin-off with The Rock and Jason Statham, followed by Fast 9 in 2020. You'll always be with me. And you'll always be my brother. Marvel and Netflix have released the full trailer for season two of Iron Fist. And I hate to say I'm kind of excited about it. What am I supposed to do? I didn't ask for the Iron Fist. I'm fighting for what I believe in, no matter the cost. What are you fighting for? I'm trying to do what's right. I say that I hate to say it because I hated the first season. I loved season one of Daredevil, loved season one of Jessica Jones, quite liked season one of Luke Cage, those are the other three Netflix Marvel series, and then season one of Iron Fist arrives on March 17th, 2017, and it was a stinker! What is Iron Fist about, by the way? Well, it's about this rich white kid whose plane crashes and he gets taken in by these martial arts mystics in the mountains. So he grows up there, eventually becoming the Iron Fist, which means his hand glows yellow and he can punch things really hard. Neat premise, but the season sucked. Now we've got a second one. I didn't expect to see you here, brother. We have family matters to discuss. You and Davos. We're trained together. I fought my brother. There is no changing what happened. You feel that you can just walk through this world as if it belongs to you. The Iron Fist is 
not a weapon to be held, it is to be used. Now you'll give me what's mine, brother. You will suffer. Finn Jones was cast as Danny Rand, and it was awful casting. He's not a bad actor, but in this role, he was terrible. They went with him because he's skinny and white, like the comic book character. They were, however, considering casting an Asian-American actor named Louis Tan, who is an actual trained martial artist, and he did end up with a small role in the first season as a drunken master, and he stole the whole season with one scene. He should have been the... The Iron Fist, but whatever. Now we got season two, which has an angry old friend of Danny Rand named Davos, who's come back to finish some old business. The Iron Fist, Davos wanted it. We can stop him, but I need help. You're not alone. But you can't save everyone. I can't just sit here and do nothing. I have become the thing. The first season was so bad for so many reasons. Bad acting, bad writing, bad directing, and for a show about a martial arts warrior, there was a surprising lack of martial arts. If the trailer for season two is an indication of what is coming though, hopefully they're going to set things right because it does look fun and it debuts on Netflix September 7th. do this more often. Dinner out, a movie. Date night. Mm-hmm. That is the news from the couch. Up next, a reboot slash spin-off of a big franchise comes home. We'll tell you all about that. You're listening to The Couch Potatoes. Brett McGarry, Jeff Braun, we are The Couch Potatoes. What's coming home video, Jeff? Ocean's 8. The Met will be hosting its annual ball. And we are going to rob it. It made 20 people. Seven people. Came on. I don't do that anymore. It's a big job. Are you mad? Yeah. Do you want me to set up a meeting? <laughs> yes. Three, two, one. 150 million dollars. Holy crap. Ocean's Aid. Only in cinemas. But now on home video, Digital HD, as of Tuesday, starring Sandra Bullock, Kate Blanchett, and like six more people. Um, <laughs> I gave it three out of five. It's good, not great. And actually, it's that was, you know, for the theatrical release. So as a renter, not a bad way to spend an evening. It's uh, Don't get your hopes too high, though. It's not great. Okay. Not as funny as it ought to be. Too bad. Yeah. Uh, there's the thriller Adrift, starring Shailene Woodley, where she's lost at sea. That's uh, my parents. Weirdly went to go see that. They actually said it was good. Hard to watch, though, especially if you're afraid of the ocean. Why is it weird that they went to see it? <laughs> because they go to see uh, Nicholas Sparks movies, and that's it. Oh, yeah, gross. And it's like, how did they end up on this? Uh, there's a movie called First Reformed coming home to digital HD, starring Ethan Hawke and Amanda Seyfried. He plays a preacher, and uh, he got a lot of Oscar buzz for that. Apparently, it's a really good movie. I'm actually excited to check that one out in the near future. And season eight of The Walking Dead. Overall, on Blu-ray DVD, a lot of the same Walking Dead season eight, First Reformed, as well as Deadpool 2. 
on hard copy next week and The Terror, a show we both really like. Yeah, excellent. And that movie Show Dogs with Will Arnett and Ludacris that uh, got a lot of, uh, there was that controversy because it had some weird sexualized elements that they had to pull after the first weekend. Oh, wow. Didn't that movie just come out in- uh, Show Dogs? Yeah, what was it? It's a few months ago. Uh, Oh, I guess it opened back in May already. Wow. Yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah, so Uh, there's that. Okay, I'm actually, I was going to go buy Avengers on Blu-ray this week. I was in the store. Well, I, I went to a store that used to sell, like it, it used to sell used movies, but they also sold some new movies, right. but they also sold lo- lots of old records and stuff. So I went in there and I'm looking around I'm like, where are the movies? And now it's just all old records. All the movie really? part of it is gone. Gone. Just, hmm. So uh, I have to wait until I can go buy it. I'll just walk next door to the mall or whatever and buy. Uh, it's $29 yeah. before tax. Oh. And Black Panther's still like 31 for the Blu-ray. Okay. That's why I walked, turned around and walked. I was like, you know what? I can wait. And I looked up the Avengers on Amazon. Yeah. And it's not there. Interesting. Yeah. Maybe that's only Canada Amazon. Maybe they're wait, wait a week to try and sell some in stores or something. I don't know what the deal is. Up next, Jeff Braun says he needed a bigger theater to watch Hi-oh. this one. You're listening to The Couch Potatoes. Welcome back to The Couch Potatoes. I'm Jeff. He's Brett. Saw a couple of movies this week, and let's start with the big one. It was the number one movie last weekend, made over $45 million. It's called The Meg. She's coming. Oh, boy. It was the largest shark that ever existed. Thought to have been extinct for two million years. The things out there. We need to find it and kill it. Why don't you just put a tracker on it? Did you guys ever watch Shark Week? The Meg in cinemas August 10. Starring Jason Statham, Rain Wilson, Ruby Rose, Cliff Curtis from Fear the Walking Dead, and some kid. Uh, the Meg is a weird movie. A lot of it screams B-movie or even TV movie, but the $130 million budget says major motion picture, and it looks great. Water-based movies are tough. I thought this was sort of seamless. It probably wasn't, but it wasn't bad enough to be distracting. All $130 million is up there on the screen, especially with the shark, which I'll get to in a moment. The story of The Meg is pretty simple. Jason Statham is a deep sea rescuer. In other words, if your submarine loses power and is stuck at the bottom of the ocean, Statham comes down in another sub and rescues you. But one day a rescue mission goes wrong. He gets blamed for abandoning some sailors while he claims that the nine people he did rescue would be dead if he had tried to save everyone. He says the Meg would have killed them all. That's the opening scene, then it cuts to five years later and cuts to today where a crew of three people on a special high-tech sub make a startling discovery the ocean floor is not the ocean floor at least not in this one spot no it's a layer of something something sort of like a cloud that they can descend through and find a whole new ocean under the regular ocean it sounds cool but it's actually only like 50 feet deep the new part not really worth the billion sunk into this expedition financed by billionaire rain wilson an elon musk type of guy of course what they do find beneath the ocean floor is the meg a a.k.a. a megalodon, which means giant prehistoric shark. It attacks the crew, hobbles their ship, and oh, and one of the crew happens to be Statham's ex-wife, for no reason at all. Statham is set to rescue them and accidentally sets the Meg loose into the upper waters where it can wreak havoc. Statham and friends try to kill it. Action and adventure is, ensues. That's not reinventing the wheel story-wise. Pretty standard blockbuster fare, a tried-and-true formula, so that works, as do all the visual and special effects. The movie even manages to show you a few things you haven't 
haven't seen before. And sure, there have been all manner of monsters that are scarier than a giant shark, but this giant shark exists within the parameters of our everyday normal life. If I've been in a boat on the ocean, so it's easy to imagine what it would feel like if the shark the same size as the boat jumped on it. While the story structure is sound, it is, of course, all ludicrous. At one point, Statham swims almost as fast as the shark. He's forever doing things that only Superman could do, and there are a number of points where you think, just get off the ocean, you idiots, but what are you going to do? Uh, the real problem with the Meg is the characters and the dialogue. A week ago, I would have said the title is dumb, but it's actually really starting to grow on me. Uh, all the characters are paper thin, if they even register at all, and a lot of them are played by bad actors. Statham is Statham, exactly what you would expect, with maybe fewer curse words because it's a 14A rated movie. Cliff Curtis as the right-hand man is fine, it's not much of a part, but he's good at that sort of thing. Rain Wilson, a.k.a. Dwight from The Office, is a good actor who has given terrible lines. He's supposed to be a smarmy billionaire who's ultimately likable because he's got a witty sense of humor, but the part is so poorly written that he's just smarmy. And Wilson is trying his damnedest to make some of the one-liners fly, but they're just so lifeless. There's a token black guy. He's supposed to be the other comic relief, but he gets even fewer funny lines than Wilson, which is really weird. The whole movie's like that. Someone helps someone out of the water after a harrowing incident involving the giant shark a great opportunity for some witty repartee to cut the tension but instead it literally goes thank you you're welcome <laughs> this is, i mean but it delivered like they just cracked some amazing diehard one-liner i don't know you know the guy in the water even if it's something done like that's it i'm done with seafood it would have been something but it's just thank you you're welcome just manners uh before they shot this they should have hired a script doctor like lock somebody in a hotel for a weekend and said put some jokes in this and beef up the dialogue make it more interesting a 130 million dollar budget a few hundred thousand dollars to punch up the screenplay come on uh the other brutal and sometimes painful part is the exposition it is delivered so poorly and there's so much of it and it's so clunky there are graceful ways to do this sort of thing i mean something a punch-up writer could have helped with again uh and better actors could have really helped with that outside of the top build people it's all pretty grim acting wise amazingly the little kid in it's pretty good her line readings are sometimes atrocious but that's on the director for making a kid say things a kid wouldn't say she has a lot of charm and she and statham had some good chemistry uh another thing that really wins in this movie is the shark itself it looks fantastic i don't watch all the shark movies but this thing looks like a real animal and looks like it's really interacting in the physical world blending the live action the cgi has never been better as far as a shark is concerned i think and it wasn't scary it is 14a or pg-13 in the u.s uh i went to a morning screening and there were a lot of little kids there and I thought before the movie, I was like, oh my gosh, what, what are these parents doing? They're going to scar their children. But there's no nudity. There's no real cussing. There's no real gore. And only a couple of jump scares. Honestly, I think Jurassic Park was scarier. So this isn't a horror movie. It's just an action adventure movie. And it's a lot less bloody than you would expect from a shark. Um, to sum up, I was sort of hoping the Meg would be really bad, like fun bad, but instead it's mostly entertaining, but also bad bad. I can't recommend spending like your hard-earned money on it. I can say quite confidently, though, that when the movie pops up on my TV on a Sunday afternoon when I'm cleaning the house, I'll probably leave it on. Two and a half coach missions out of five for the make. And with its uh, $44 million opening weekend, There it will also... be the Meg too, eh? Yeah. Well, it, it's internet. So right now, or, well, not right now, but as the last time I checked, $213 million worldwide box office. Boom. So it's, uh, yeah, that's, it's making its money back already. 
Um, yeah, people like the the giant shark movies. I guess the yeah. combination of the the cheesiness and the Statham. You know, his star is finally starting to rise a little bit. Yeah, if you like Statham, it's probably worth it because he's very Stathamy in it. Yeah, which did, is fun. Did you, well, you've likely seen Snatch. Oh yeah, yeah. the Guy Ritchie film. Yep, and Lock, Stock, and Two Smoking Barrels. Did yep. you ever see that? I remember when those came out, and then he would do these crank movies, and I was like, "Come on, you're a good actor. Do a proper movie." Yeah. I guess he's just trying to cash in on the action stuff while he can. Yeah. Well, but, and then have you ever seen the movie, uh, I think it's just called Spy, the, with Melissa McCarthy? I didn't see that one. He's in that as a spy and playing like a statham kind of a guy. Okay. But it's for comedy and it's hilarious. He steals a movie. Right on. Do uh, you want to tell us about your second movie right now? Oh, yes. The second movie I saw this week is called Eighth Grade. So, the topic of today's video is being yourself. Being yourself can be hard. And it's like, aren't I always being myself? And yeah, for sure. But being yourself is like not changing yourself to impress someone else. A lot of people like call me quiet or shy or whatever. But I'm not quiet. Most quiet, Kayla Day. I don't talk a lot at school, but if people talk to me and stuff, they'd find out that I'm like really funny and cool and talkative. By the way, I like your shirt a lot. It's like so cool. What? Eighth Grade, starring Elsie Fisher, written and directed by Bo Burnham. Eighth Grade does for junior high girls what Lady Bird did for grade 12 girls, even more so. Lady Bird was very much a character. At the root of that character was someone very identifiable to us, but she had a lot of quirks and stuff that made her unique. The main character in Eighth Grade, Kayla, is not really quirky. She is average in almost every single way a person can be average. There are parts of her life you will remember in your own life, and the parts that don't directly relate to you, you will recognize in other people you grew up with, no doubt. There's, there's no real plot other than the movie is set over the last two weeks of school, Kayla wrapping up grade 8. She's off to high school the next year where she hopes things will be better, which is probably not going to happen because high school kind of sucks for a lot of kids. Grade 8's a weird one, I guess. You're right in the middle of puberty, and it's just, in general, a big shift from being a kid into almost an adult. And all you want to do is fit in, not realizing, of course, that in 10 years, all you want to do is stand out, at least to a few people. She's shy, doesn't have many friends. They, they make her look kind of frumpy, and she has acne. She's not weird or anything. She's just not one of the cool kids. She makes these YouTube videos where she tries to dig deep and dig deep into her thoughts and feelings about being a teenager, learn some lessons along the way, and to her huge credit, she doesn't shrink away from social situations that she's clearly nervous about that many of us would have just, like, ran away from. I'm, for example, the popular girl invites Kayla to her birthday party because her mom makes her, and Kayla goes, even though the popular girls are mean to her or they ignore her. Plus, it's a pool party, so she has to wear a swimsuit in front of everyone, which she's not psyched to do, but she she does it. She's a strong young lady like that, and you spend a lot of the movie wanting to scream, don't worry, Kayla, it gets better. Or don't worry about being accepted by the cool kids. It doesn't mean anything in the long run. They're as afraid of you as you are of them. Struck me as a very realistic portrayal of being a teenage girl, and it's cool to see that in a movie, which I'm sure is rare. Uh, to be fair, I don't go looking for movies with teenagers in them, but, you know, while movies like Clueless or Mean Girls or whatever will strike a few chords with the teenage experience, they're usually goofier and aren't shooting for realism. This, the teenage boys in the movie, they're pretty spot on, too. Every one of them is either super awkward or acts like a jerk. And none of them have any clue how to be properly comfortable in their own skin. 
I know I was super awkward when I was a teen. I think you probably were too, Brett. Still am. There you go, especially around the girls. So that really hit home. Uh, And there were jerky guys in my school, so that stuff made sense too. Also, the dudes are gross, which is true of teenage boys and, frankly, most men. Uh, The other male figure in the movie is Kayla's dad. The mom left when Kayla was a baby, so the dad has raised her. And he's a saint. He tries to connect with her, but, you know, she's at the point of life where it's hard and he just sort of absorbs all of her attitude without getting too upset about it sounds like a good movie for teens to watch right i would say that's a resounding yes especially for the kalos of the world who may not realize that their problems are pretty common the only caveat is how comfortable you are with bad language there are more than a few swears and there's an awful lot of very frank sex talk so that is something to consider but come on even the teens who don't cuss like sailors certainly hear it at school it might even be better for parents of teenagers to watch this just to be reminded what it was like. The technology is different. She's on her phone through the whole movie, but aside from that, nothing's really changed. It's a great movie. I highly recommend it. Four couch cushions out of five. Do you think that this movie will be in the mix come Oscar season? I hope so. It's it's really small and it's awful early. It might, like, the guy might get a writing nomination or something. He's a stand-up comic. I don't know how he came up with this, but yeah. So I, I would hope so. I would hope the, the girl would too. Yeah, well, the stand-up comics who... Are the funniest are often the guys who feel the most, right? Yeah, that's true. just their their form of art. You know, they they channel their their sadness and pain into humor and make for great comedy. But in this case, it's just uh, it sounds like a great. Well, just watching the trailer, I was it was inspiring. Yeah. You know, to see a film like this that looks so realistic, and I like how they used actual kids. To play these characters, like you could see the dorkiness and the lanky teenage yeah. boys, yeah, yeah, like, yeah. like, hey, they're these are actual teenagers; <laughs> they're not twenty-five-year-old exactly. men playing teenagers, like and we're used to seeing. The the one guy that gets a date with her, and oh, this the little show he puts on is it's magical, it's hilarious. Okay, well, hey, so the, again, four couch cushions out of five for eighth grade, and if you're just tuning in and missed it, two and a half couch cushions out of five for the Meg, and up next. I mentioned it off the top. I've got a bit of a bone to pick with Stephen King, Uh-oh. or at the very least, the Stephen King multiverse. That's coming up. You're listening to The Couch Potatoes. Brett McGarry, Jeff Braun, we are The Couch Potatoes, and it's time now to talk about Stephen King. Young man, who are you? What's your name? We got no records of you. How'd you get inside this prison? Who put you down that hole? So I've been watching this Stephen King-themed 10-episode miniseries, Castle Rock, which hails from Hulu. It's a psychological horror series set in the Stephen King multiverse. from Shawshank. Found a kid in a cage. Call from who? Don't know yet. Has it begun? You heard him mention Shawshank in there, i.e. Shawshank State Prison from the Shawshank Redemption. Also, the creepy weirdo who magically appeared in the prison is Bill Skarsgård, the dude who played Pennywise the Clown in last year's film adaptation of It. Castle Rock is set to 
you know, it brings big scale mixed with character storytelling. It's played out on a few square miles of Maine woodland, i.e. in the fictional town of Castle Rock, where many of King's books are set. And they call it People say Lonesome Town Every inch of this town Where the broken hearts stay Is stained with someone's sin that was the voice of Terry O'Quinn, by the way, a.k.a. John Locke from Lost. Cast also includes the likes of Sissy Spacek, a.k.a. the star of the Stephen King classic Carrie, and Scott Glenn. And the only prize you pay. I always thought the devil was just a metaphor. God help me, I did. Stephen King and J.J. Abrams are the executive producers of Castle Rock, which is based on several of King's works. Debuted on July 25th in the U.S. on Hulu and in Canada on Space. Do you hear it now? You have no idea what's happening here, do you? I can should also mention that Andre Holland is in it as well. He was one of the supporting stars in the Best Picture winning Moonlight. You heard him say, you don't really know what's going on. Well, after six episodes, I don't really know what's going on either. As you gleaned from the clips, there's this weird looking guy who turns up. He's a mystery to everyone. No one knows who he is, where he came from. I won't give the story away, but what I can tell you is six episodes in, we still have no idea who he is except for weird things happen when he's around. I still like this show, but I want to love it. But like a Stephen King book, it is just taking forever to get on with it. And look, I'm not taking shots at Stephen King books. I've only read a couple of them, so I'm no expert. I liked them both a lot, but they took forever to get to the point. And the same thing is happening here. It's just getting to a point where I don't know that I care anymore, but I'm watching, you know, I've already committed to six episodes of a 10 episode season. So if I give up now, then I feel like I've just wasted my time. So I, there's no going back now. It's just especially frustrating because the end of episode five was actually genuinely mind blowing. And finally, they pointed us in a direction and made it look like they were going to tell us something. But then in episode six, they pulled back the curtain and everything was vague again. So uh, I don't know. I mean, I also don't know the Stephen King multiverse, so I have no idea if any of these characters are from the books or if they're based on characters. Just strikes me as an odd little sort of supernatural mystery set in a town in Maine, i.e. how all of his stories go. It's kind of cool. I just wish it was better. If you are curious about, though, if you're on Shaw, you can watch it on demand uh, if you haven't uh, watched them all. And again, it airs on Wednesdays on Space. That's all the time we've got. I'm Brett. He's Jeff. We are the Couch Potatoes. Subscribe to the podcast on Google Play or on iTunes. And remember, if it requires getting up on the couch, don't bother. Don't bother.